0: From the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Thank God for this morning. Thank God for the privilege that come before Him. It's beautiful today and it's great to see all of you this morning. God bless you for turning up the house of God. There are probably about 31,102 verses in the Bible Uh, and each of these verses are incredible, all of them, A to Z, from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 all the way to Revelation 22 verse 21, incredible scriptures. But there are some of these scriptures, some of these verses that are like gold mine. These verses are incredibly powerful, and it takes time To actually unpack them. It takes the Holy Spirit working for you to unpack some of these verses. Sometimes we just glance over them not knowing exactly the power in these verses. One of those verses is what we'll be looking at today. Luke chapter 12. If you may, can we turn to Luke 12 or swipe to Luke 12 verse 32. Luke chapter 12. Verse 32, I'll be moving from different translations, the same verse, but I'll be moving through translations. Please bear with me. Luke 12, 32, at this time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, do not fear, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not fear, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Incredible scripture. Now, to understand this, I want us to put it in context of what was going on at this particular time. So if you go back, let's look at the preceding verses. If you go back starting from verse 1, you observe that Jesus was actually speaking to a multitude, a lot of people. They had gathered to him for his admonition, so he started ministering to them, and started speaking to them about various things. He talked about hypocrisy, he talked about the fear of God, he talked about confessing Christ before man. He just kept speaking. Then in verse 13, a young man came to him and said to him, you know, ask my brother to divide the inheritance. Apparently, their dad had died, and then the brother probably just hoarded everything to himself. And he started talking to him about, let my brother, he needs to share these things. He can't keep these things alone. Then Jesus left him and spoke about the parable of the rich fool. And just continued talking. Then in verse 22, which is where I'm going to begin this morning, verse 22. He turned himself to his disciples and started addressing his disciples from verse 22. Now, the crowd was still there. So they had not, Jesus had not moved away. He was still in the same spot. The crowd was still present there. And of course, they were welcome to listen. But the truth is that the lesson was specific for his disciples. Because they contain promises of the kingdom, which we just read in verse 32. Um, it says, talking about the father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So the promise was about his people. But then, of course, you can listen, all of you. Jesus did not move. He didn't say, oh, let's go to a separate room. He stood there and continued to minister. What am I trying to say? I'll be speaking tonight about a kingdom that belongs to the people of God. So if you're not yet born again, you need to be. Because the privilege of this kingdom is for God's people. I'll begin verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, I'm reading still New King James Version, verse 22. He spoke to his disciples, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, these birds have no storehouse or burn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than these birds? Verse 25, and which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? If you then are not able to do the list, why are you anxious for the rest? Why do you worry about this? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon, in all his glory, in all his glamour, was not arrayed like these ones, was not clothed like these ones. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... How much more will he clothe you, all oh you of a little faith? Verse 29. And do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor have an anxious mind, for all these things the nations of the world seek after. All these things the nations of the world are dying to get. And your father knows that you need these things, Verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Then verse 32, do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not worry, going back to verse, verse uh, 22, do not worry about your life. Do not be anxious. Do not have anxious concern about your life. Do not have fearful concern about your life. Don't be apprehensive about possible misfortune that may or may not happen. By the way, this command is not asking, it's not saying, and it's not prohibiting us from thinking about eating or drinking. You have to do that. He's not saying that you shouldn't wear clothes. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that these things should not preoccupy our minds. It does not mean that you do not need to plan or work. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verse 10, we hear Apostle Paul admonishing the Thessalonian church and said to them, if someone does not work, they should not eat. So work is necessary in life. Planning is absolutely important. What he's saying is that do not displace faith with fear. Let fear not occupy your mind that faith no longer exists. Fear drives worry. So do not be afraid. That's what Jesus was speaking about here. The ravens actively look for food. But they are not anxious because God provides for them. We have to work. We have to plan. But it is God who makes the provision, not our own worries. Someone once said, I will quote this this particular statement. He said, worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts the channel through which All other thoughts are drained. When you allow worry into your life, it keeps trickling, keeps trickling gradually. All of a sudden it cuts off all other thoughts. Thoughts of faith, thoughts of blessings of God, thoughts of the word of God. It just cuts them off. That you no longer see anything good. All you see are fears. What Jesus is saying here applies to everyone. Remember, he called his disciples, all of them, but rich and poor, all of them, whether they had money or not. The command is absolutely real. Worry is an issue of the heart, not of economic status. The rich worry, the poor worry. Everyone worries. Doesn't matter what your status is. Worry about food in verse 24. Then he go to verse 27, 28. Worry about clothing. These worries are real. A poor person may worry about going to bed hungry. If I can just get a bowl of Gary, you know, they're just, they're just worried because there's no other food. If I can just get a bowl of Gary and then find some sugar. You know, it's small Gary, but if I soak it overnight... By morning, is going to be plenty. And if by mistake, I find not and milk, Kai, heaven has arrived. That's the poor man's worry. For the rich man, it's not the same thing. They actually, for themselves, it's more about that steak. You know, they're not worrying about eating rice or chicken and chicken. They're talking about the type of chicken that we eat. That's a concern. And then the worry is just about, you know, it's just about trying to, how do I, how do I, you know, uh, um, advance? How do I maintain this particular status that I have? How do I preserve the things I have? Just, you know, just worrying about things that the poor people don't even think about at all. It's not even crossing their mind at all. These worries are real. The poor person is worried, saying, you know, do I have adequate clothes to put on? I, I, I don't want to go out naked. But the rich person is not worrying about do I have clothes or not. Of course, they have clothes. The rich person is worrying about staying fashionable enough so that the right impressions just make the right impressions on others. Look at your neighbor's shoes. What's the brand? Probably LV somewhere. If you can't see their shoes, look at their wristwatches. <laughs> All of these things are different kinds of worries that people have. But Jesus is saying here, do not worry about these things. Verse 25. Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? Worry does not make any positive difference. Rather, worry, it just creates more challenges. It can make you taller. It can make you live longer. It just doesn't change anything at all. Verse 26 If then you are not able to do the least of this, why do you worry for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And then went on to talk about Solomon. Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. We know the story of Solomon. How powerful he was. How glorious he was. How rich he was. He said Solomon in all of his... This is Jesus talking, by the way. So this is not someone else making up, making this up. This is Jesus speaking expressly. He said in all of his glory, Solomon was not clothed like the flower. In other words, you can never clothe yourself more than God can clothe you. You can never make yourself better than God can make you. No matter how hard you work, no matter how rich you become. And he added and said, why worry about this, all you of little faith. Faith counters The fear counters the faith that God wants you to have. Verse 29, and do not seek that you will eat or that you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Verse 30, for all these things the nations of the earth are dying to get, all these things the world is dying to get, your father is aware that you need these things. He is in full, in full awareness. He is absolutely aware that you need security. He knows that you need provisions. He knows that you need different things. He continued and said, and your father knows that you need these things. He is aware of them. Verse 31 now. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. The kingdom of God is the sovereignty of God and his rule over all creation. That is what the kingdom of God is. It is the reign of God in your life. God having control of you. God having control of your contest, of your environment. God having control of everything that concerns your life and around you. The kingdom of God is what God wants first. Matthew puts it this way in Matthew chapter six thirty-three. He says, "Seek ye first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you." The kingdom is priority. Everyone say kingdom. Kingdom. The kingdom of God is priority. Set your desire on God's kingdom and strive for it. Continue to strive for it. Yes, you have requests. Yes, you have desires. But keep striving for the request and God will grant the request even when you don't ask. There are some things God will do for you that you don't need to ask him to do because he's aware that you have needs of those things. God wants your mind to be focused on him and live for his glory. This is what it means for the kingdom of God to be established on the earth. He does not want your mind to be, to be bombarded by all forms of things. He wants you to absolutely live for his glory. That is the establishment of his kingdom. Think about this. At work, they just dropped a document on your desk. Fresh on Monday morning. Drop a document on your desk. And said to you, sign this document and a million dollars will hit your account in the next forty-eight hours. But you're fully aware that this particular document negates the establishment of the kingdom of God. Will you sign it? You see, the kingdom of God, seeking the kingdom of God, it's not all about praying and singing. It's about what you do. So when God is established in, this, in your environment, the kingdom of God is being established. You see, This is the problem of Nigeria. We have lots and lots of Christians everywhere. In every city of Nigeria, we have Christians everywhere. And on Sunday like this, you have millions in church. But what happens on Monday morning when they get to work? You see, first of all, traffic, thank you. (laughs) You begin with that. On Sunday morning, they declare the establishment of the kingdom of God on Sunday morning. On Monday morning, they start fighting against the establishment of the same kingdom they prayed for on Sunday. You're praying and declaring, God, let your will be done. But on Monday morning, when the opportunity comes for the will of God to be done, what do you do? God is requesting for the establishment of his kingdom. Say to your neighbor, live for his glory. Come on, come on. Say to your neighbor, live for his glory. God wants us to live for his glory. He wants his kingdom to be established. Sometimes we specialize every single word in the scripture, but he's talking about natural things. So seeking the kingdom of God is not only about praying and fasting. Those things are amazing. Timo has just announced about the fast on this week. Friday, when is it Thursday? Friday. Amazing time. It will be glorious. Power and authority. But beyond that, our actions establish or not establish the kingdom of God. So God is saying, leave for my glory and then all these things people are dying to get, I will give them to you. I must stress that this is not a promise to give you all you want. It's a promise to give you what you need. God is not obligated to fulfill your wants. He's obligated to fulfill your needs. So when you're praying for a particular thing, God, I want this particular this particular problem to be removed. You've prayed. You've quoted scriptures. You've, you've asked bre- your brothers and sisters to pray with you. And then they are still persisting. You need to keep... Trust in God. Don't throw away your Bible because he's not obligated to meet your wants. He wants to meet your needs. Apostle Paul prayed and said that this trouble in my body, let it be removed. And God said to him, it's not going to happen. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. By removing this problem, it's not going to happen, Paul. And he lived with it. The Bible never said that that problem was removed from him. We must constantly trust God. Constantly trust God. Now let's go to verse 32, the key scripture today. Amazing scripture. Fear not. And I will now start using King James Version now. Little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom what a powerful statement the verse is not merely about what God will do or what God has to do it's about what God is delighted to do what he loves to do what he takes pleasure in doing what he really really makes him happy to do the new living translation says so don't be afraid little flock For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. I'll start breaking this verse apart. First, let's look at the phrase good pleasure. Good pleasure. It gives your father good pleasure. You can translate that to mean It pleased God or God chose it gladly. You see, God is not under duress or under pressure to give you the kingdom. He's not. He's saying that God is acting based on freedom. He's 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 not being pressured to do that. Just because you prayed 100 hours is not the reason why he gave that to you. He is pleased to do it. God's joy, God's desire, God's want, his wish, his hope, his pleasure is to ensure that you have the kingdom. It gives him great pleasure. You know, sometimes someone will do something for you and then you say, my pleasure. Sometimes you and I know that's not true. It's not always your pleasure when, you, when that happens because it took something away from you. Before God is absolutely different. When he says, my pleasure, he means my pleasure. He says it is his good pleasure. He is excited when he wants to give you the kingdom. He is just happy. He's just waiting for you to say, come and take this thing. Just take it away. It is his good pleasure. The next phrase I want to pick up from that verse is your father fear not little flock it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom your father observe that he didn't say it is your employer's pleasure he didn't say it is your slave master's pleasure he didn't say it is your king's pleasure he could have said that it would be correct but he didn't say that because he's speaking about the kingdom but he says it is your father he didn't even say it is my father if you read the preceding chapters you observe that Jesus often referred to God as my father but at this particular time he told them your father's good pleasure he wants to make it sure that you understand that god is your source it's not just about it's just not just about him wanting he is your provider you know sometimes Relationships with earthly fathers messes up our mindset of what it means, what fatherhood means. You know, when you have a a father who is not that great, a father, you might think that's how God is. Absolutely not. And this is actually an advice to my brothers here, that you actually understand that when you are relating to your children, please understand that they are also linking that relationship with God. Don't mess it up for them. It says it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Another word there is I want us to pick up is look at the word give. We're still reading verse 32. The word give. It is your father's good pleasure to give. He doesn't say it is your father's good pleasure to sell no it is your father's good pleasure to trade you the kingdom no you're not getting the kingdom because of what you did it is his pleasure to give it to you it cannot be bought the kingdom belongs to God the only way to receive it is to receive it like a child in Luke 18 17 Jesus said something he says truly I say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it so that's the only disposition that you need but in terms of you having the power to buy it it doesn't work see the word flock fear not little flock We just see Jesus piling up metaphors in the scripture. Fear not little flock. First, He says, "God is your father." He proved that. And then since He's given us a kingdom, he must be a king. Now he's saying, "cause we are His flock, He must be a shepherd. Fear not little flock. Calling us flock implies that God himself is our shepherd. We are his sheep. We belong to him. And because we belong to him, it is his pleasure to grant us access to his kingdom. Amazing. No wonder why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He must have received this revelation long, long time before Jesus said this. I shall not want... That declaration was not because he couldn't lack money, but he understood that as being a part of the kingdom, I have access to kingdom resources. Look at the adjective before that word, little. Fear not, little flock. God's goodness is not dependent on our greatness. That's what Jesus is simply saying. You might be little in size, little in strength, little in wisdom, little in righteousness, little in love. It does not stop the receiving of his kingdom. It says, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure. It doesn't depend on your greatness. It depends on his greatness. Now the word, That I want us to look at now is kingdom. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is he promising? Sometimes we just read that and just keep moving on. What is he actually saying? It means it is the father's good pleasure. To give you the kingdom, to give you the power and authority, or in his sovereignty. Now, he wants that power and authority of this sovereign king to be engaged forever on your behalf. That's what he's saying. He wants the authority of this king of the universe the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He wants it engaged on your behalf. That way you don't need to worry anymore. What an incredible scripture. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you this promise. Then the Passion Translation puts it this way. It says, your loving Father... Jealously gives his kingdom with all these promises. God gives his kingdom with the promises of great blessings, with the promises of great protection and of provision. These are part of the kingdom. When you receive the kingdom, you receive the promises of God. I'm currently uh, concluding the dissertation, and then part of, I'm required to do a research. And part of the research is that you have to pick a particular philosophical paradigm, or what we call theoretical foundation, that will guard, that will underguard your research. Then, now, now all in research, there are all forms of paradigms, from positivism, post-positivism, to interpretivism, to constructivism, all forms of paradigm. I had to choose one. I'm thinking about it later. I started laughing at myself, and you'll find out in a minute. So constructivism is a philosophical paradigm that affirms that reality and truth is constructed based on experiences of people and how they reflect on those experiences. In other words, there are no absolute truth. There is no absolute reality. Your reality can be different from my reality. And that's okay. So there is no absolute anywhere. So what you view is based on how you experience life. But what I view is how I experienced life. For the research, it's absolutely fine. For God Absolutely not. This particular paradigm does not apply. When God makes you a promise, that promise is not dependent on how your life is known. If He says that you are rich, it doesn't matter if you even have a bank account. You are rich. The promise must be fulfilled in accordance to his will, not based on how you perceive life. We know about Isaac. The Bible says that Isaac became very wealthy in a land that was infested with famine. There was trouble in the land, but this guy became very, very wealthy. So it's independent of your circumstance. It's even independent of the country where you were born or where you live. If God chooses to bless you, his promise must come to pass. So if he says to you, it is well with you, it is well with you. If he says to you that all things work together for good, all things work together for good. If he tells you that you are more than a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror. Whatever he says to you applies, whether it's in heaven or on earth or even in hell. The word of God is constant. The word of God is constant. Little flock, do not be afraid. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom and the promises of his kingdom. I ask you this question this morning. What has God promised you? He's saying, I have the capacity to fulfill it. And I will fulfill it. That's what he's saying here. Someone say, thank you, Lord. Say thank you, Lord. thank you, Lord. This is what the will of God is that you receive His kingdom. But first, seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, all these promises will come to fulfillment. The kingdom is established beyond this Sunday morning, but throughout the days of the week, continue to seek the kingdom. And God will fulfill his word concerning your life in Jesus' name. I want us to rise up this morning. Let's rise up this morning. May I invite a choir, please? We will begin to establish this kingdom this morning. We will begin to establish this kingdom this morning. Jesus said pray Father let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth we'll start singing this morning let's let's establish this kingdom and as we establish God will fulfill his word God will fulfill that which he has said say Lord let your kingdom be established Declare that this morning. Say, Lord, let your kingdom be established. Let your kingdom be established. Let your kingdom be established. Lord, let your kingdom be established. I receive this kingdom this morning. I received this kingdom this morning. I received the authority. I received the power. I received the grace this morning. Let your kingdom be established this morning, oh God. Makusita rekuso The kota Let your kingdom be established, oh God. Let your kingdom be established, oh God. Let your kingdom be established. O God. God, make us see the Halabric Amosahan. I go Libre. Thank you, Jesus. Lakimahura Kasi Brakali Terry Samana. Make Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.EcclesiaHills.org or email us at LO at EcclesiaHills.org.